Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now. And welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and I have three hours jam-packed worth of great, great sports talk this morning. Got a great list of guests this morning. We'll start it off both athletes and obviously the normal uh, beat writers and and uh, TV guys that join me. As usual, we're going to start it off this morning with Lenore Sellers, South Florence's quarterback, who got a big offer, a pretty surprising offer at that. Uh, we'll talk to him at 7.30, get his thoughts on his, uh, get his thoughts on his budding uh, recruiting. Then at 8, we'll talk to Jay Metz, who is a, is, plays baseball for Dutch Fork and made a commitment to the College of Charleston earlier this week. Get his thoughts on the season and and all things considered with that. Then at 8.30, we'll head to the Midlands, go to Lou Bezek at the state. And then at 9, as usual, go to Brandon Dunn from WPDE, talk about all things right here on the Grand Strand. But before we get to Lenora Sellers at 7.30, have a couple of things to talk about for the first half hour. And the big thing this week, honestly, coming just over the last couple of days, big news coming out of college, and we're going to talk to Lenora Sellers about this, his thoughts on everything. 
talked to Lou about this, talked to Brandon Dunn about this. But the NCAA coming out with two big rulings this week. The first one, not quite as big in the long term, but pretty big in the short term. The recruiting dead period, which has been active for over a year now since the pandemic really started to kick off, will officially end on June 1st. So that's over a year worth of dead period finally coming to a close. Uh, You know, a whole class missing out on uh, official visits and a lot of recruiting stuff, you know. The class of 2021, essentially their entire recruitment was done virtually. And... You know, guys still got offered, guys still made their commitments and all of that. You know, the the machine continued to move, but now I'm sure the younger guys, the guys that aren't being impacted directly by this, certainly I'm sure are happy that the uh, recruit, that the dead period is finally coming to an end. And thus, they can start. They can start making official visits and all of that good stuff, and and really get their recruiting underway. And then the big new, the other news, the bigger news that came out this week, which, you know, is is definitely the bigger news on the on the long term. Uh, and it's, and it's kind of ironic. It, it's kind of hypocritical. Not really hypocritical, but paradoxical. Uh, how these two rulings came down just one day separating the two. NTA approves the one-time free transfer with immediate eligibility for all athletes. We're going to talk more in depth with Lou, Lou Bezak and Brandon Dunn about this, get their thoughts on it. But this changes the entire recruiting landscape. Because now, even if you miss out on someone, let's say you're in Alabama, or let's say you're a South Carolina, or a Clemson. And there's a recruit that you really want. But he said, you know, coming out of his freshman year, or coming out of his senior year, going into college out of high school, he says, nah, I'm going to go elsewhere. You know, I feel more comfortable at this school. But then after his freshman year, it doesn't pan out, or he's not happy there, or what have you. Then all of a sudden, you have, another opportunity to get that guy. Since then, and, and the recruiting landscape is going to be a lot more fast-paced and a lot more fluid than it, is, than it ever has been with this new ruling. But having this... Having this opportunity and having this rule change is going to completely alter 
the way recruitment is done. Because now, instead of focusing primarily on high school guys, yeah, you may folk, yeah, you may get some JUCO guys here and there, uh, but your primary focus is on high school. Now, at least based on what everyone is thinking and and how a lot of analysts are taking this, now the focus is going to be either, and it's going to be one of two ways. There's going to be a, a there's basically going to be a cycle or or a conduit, let's say. Because the high major schools, the, the powerhouse schools, they're going to be looking down to the group of five schools, maybe even some lower-end power five schools, NFCS, and looking for the top guys that have impressed in the college ranks and saying, hey, we could use you. Come up to the big Come up and play with the big boys. And while officially, on the record, teams are not going to be able to officially recruit any players who do not officially declare for the transfer portal, it's going to especially in today's world with today's technology and all of that, it really is going to become the wild west out there where they're get the, the big schools are going to figure out ways to work around the system. And especially in today's world where especially in college where you're not getting paid or anything. And that's a different story altogether with the NIL stuff and all of that. We'll talk about that more when that becomes resolved. More more and more states are resolving it individually, but nothing nothing really concrete happen with that until it becomes federally passed. So that's a different story altogether right now. But just looking at it outside of that, outside of the money issue and the money spectrum, a lot of players, and and players have different goals and different reasons that they want to play. But you can't tell me that if I'm trying to find I'm trying to think of a good example right now. But if if one of the top players in a group of five school or you know, FCS school, maybe not so much FCS. Because they still have that opportunity. Although they would obviously like to jump up to the big boys. But especially group of five in in the current system. If you went to a group, uh, the, the top group of five player in the country 
as Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney and said, hey, you want to come actually play for a national championship and actually have a legitimate chance of getting in, you know, having an actual chance of getting into the national championship and having a chance of winning it? You don't think they're going to jump at that opportunity when they know point blank that they have no chance whatsoever, no matter how good their team is in a group of five right now? Absolutely. I mean, the the disparity was bad enough as is because of the rules with the college football playoffs or the college football invitational, as I like to call it. Because group of five teams will always be left out. But until that changes, with this new transfer rule, it's going to make that disparity even worse. Now, on the flip side, you are going to get some Power Five players, some Power Five school players that you know, maybe were recruited out of high school but didn't quite pan out or aren't getting as much playing time as they feel they need or they feel they deserve or whatnot. It's going to be a different reason for transferring down as compared to transferring up. Transferring up from from Group of Five or SVSF to Power Five is going to be, yeah, you may be able to the same amount of playing time as you do at your smaller program, but you're you're going to get that opportunity of winning a national championship. On the flip side, if you're, if you're transferring down, it's more than likely just purely because you want to play. You're not worried about national championships. So... It's going to make things very interesting. And the most interesting part about it, at least to me, is, and and we're going to talk to Lou about this, we'll talk to Brandon Dunn about this, how it impacts high school, high school football, not only on the recruiting level, but also on the popularity level and on how it may impact not so much public schools, but how it will impact uh, private schools, uh, how it will impact, you know, the likes of IMG and those types of programs, and and also how it's going to impact post-grad as well, the post-grad programs, because at least to me, looking at it on paper, and obviously this nothing has happened yet, so we don't know how exactly this is going to be implemented, but especially in football, and I, well, you could probably say the same about basketball, and maybe even more so because there are fewer spots. But you're going to have a situation where now, obviously, the five the five star guys are going to get their spots. They're going to get their offers. They're going to get to the next level. 
at least in football, the four the four star guys more often than not are going to get to that next level. But the three star guys and below that were kind of on the cusp of getting a Division One offer, whether FBS or FCS, they may be left out in the cold, and they may have to go to whether it's a a a post-grad program or it's a JUCO or it's, you know, Division Two. they're going to have to figure out a way that they really have to prove themselves in order to get to a Division One program. So it's going to make it's going to make things very interesting when it comes to all of this and 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 what to expect moving forward uh when it comes to how this is going to work and and how it's going to impact not just the college ranks but also high school as well and the other thing you know high school sports especially high school football has been on the rise in terms of popularity outside of communities and in terms of coverage and all of that. And a lot of it has been the concept of where do the you know, seeing the top prospects before they get to the college ranks. And now, with that being limited and being reduced, especially for football, it will it have an impact on high school football's popularity? Probably not. I'm going to say no, but it's an interesting thought to ponder because a lot of a lot of schools, that is the, especially, like I said, the private schools, that is the selling point. You know, you're playing college, you're you're playing a college-level style of play, and you're playing against college-level opponents, and, and it prepares you for the next level. And you have the connections and all of that. Without that certainty, do these programs and and the the sport as a whole take a hit. That's going to be the big question that I'm definitely asking Lou about. I'll ask Brandon Dunn about, but it's it's something that's going to that we're going to have to keep an eye out for as we as, as we go into this new uncharted territory. And it, it it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. You know, and and I'm going to ask Lenora Sellers has you know about how he's been hand you know I I know it just broke, but have to him about how it may impact recruiting. You know, uh, we we talked to Ryan Berger just last week. And he specifically mentioned how the fact that the landscape is changing and you have to kind of, if you get that offer, you can't just sit on it and hope for some other offers. 
like I said, especially for the guys that aren't the top recruits in in the country. You know, those guys can sit on their offers and wait and see because those offers will will still be there come signing day. But some of the other guys that are only getting one or two, maybe three, maybe four, and and maybe, you know, that's the one thing about this that is kind of disappointing. Uh, and I understand why it's done. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm kind of... I'm kind of criticizing it a, a good bit, but I understand why it's being done. It makes because if you're, if you're any other student, if you're just a normal student, you know, if, if the goal is to try to make it to where they really are student athletes and they have the same rights as regular students of a university. A regular student, if he goes to one university and says, and after his freshman year says, eh, this place isn't for me, and tries to look to go elsewhere, he doesn't have to wait a year before enrolling into the next school. He can just go and enroll in the, in the new in the new school right away. So it makes sense to have that is to have be the same way. So that it, it just it makes sense. I I the ruling is correct. I'm just it, it's going to be very interesting to see how this impacts how the dominoes fall as a result of this decision. With that being said, I'll go through some recruiting notes real quick before uh, before we take a break, and then, like I mentioned, having the Lenora Sellers come on at 7.30. Jaden Davis from Bridge was offered by Penn State. Rand Caldwell from Malden was offered by North Carolina. Ashton Whitner from Greenville had a big week, offered by Yale, Army, and West Virginia. We'll have to try to get him on at some point fairly soon. Quan Peterson from South Point was offered by Georgia Southern. Nick Emanwari, excuse me, Emanwari from Irmo was offered by Georgia Southern. Fletcher Cothran was uh, from T.L. Hanna was offered by Clemson. Kazarius Adams from Great Collegiate was offered by Army. Xavier McLeod from Camden was offered by Auburn. Mason Johnstone from Christ Church was offered by BYU. Chase Tillman from North Augusta was offered by Coastal. Antonio Williams from Dutch Fork was off- offered by Miami. Nemo Squire from Dillon was offered by Campbell. And Lynn Lenora Sellers, like I mentioned, we'll talk to him in just a little bit about this offer. Lenora Sellers from South Florence was offered by Washington State. On the basketball court, Noah Clowney from Dorman was offered by App State, Providence, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. So he had a big week this week. Lots of offers for him, and he's he's definitely going somewhere big next season. Also on the basketball court, 
Corbin Pack from Carolina Force was offered by UMKC. Also from Carolina Force, but moving back over to the gridiron, Josh Harris uh, committed and then signed a few days ago to Wofford. So another Panther heading up to Wofford and joining the Terriers. On the baseball diamond, like I mentioned, Jay Metz, we'll talk to him in a little bit. He committed from Dutch Fork, committed to College of Charleston. And a local guy, Cade Bird from Socasty, committed to Clemson last night. So congrats to him. Late signing day, guys, like I mentioned, uh, Josh Harris signed with Wofford. Caleb Godfrey put his pen, put pen to paper and officially signed with Coastal. And Jalen Brazil from Dormand signed with USC Upstate for basketball. A few uh, other quick high school updates real quick. Uh, spring break tournaments rounded off. Uh, finished up play last week uh like i mentioned last week the the big game that we were were looking out for was the finals of the mingo bay classic north and boy was that a thriller soccer looked like they had that one in the bag for the majority of the game but north merrill beach just kept on scratching and clawing and fighting their way back and then finally winning it on a on a high chopper, a bases loaded high chopper that was bobbled by the shortstop, allowing the game winning run to score in the bottom half of the seventh inning in walk off fashion. And that was a great momentum boost for the Chiefs. They then proceeded to dominate Wilson on Tuesday. They face off against Wilson again tonight. At home, I'll have all the coverage on that one on SHN Sports this evening. Uh, But Sakasi bounced back very quickly. They proceeded to clinch Region 6 5A title with two straight wins over Carolina Forest. Uh, We'll talk to Brandon Dunn about that, what he thinks about their chances moving into the playoffs and all of that. Still still over half a month away from uh from the playoffs starting. But it's it's going to uh impact some things. And then one final uh spring baseball tournament note Blythewood won the South Carolina Diamond Invitational. So congrats to them, and they've been playing very well uh, as well. So a lot, a lot of intrigue in five A for uh, for di- a, a bunch of different teams. So I'll take a quick break and come right back. And when we come back, we'll have Lenora Sellers from South Florence coming on right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Stay tuned right here.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central as we await Lenora Sellers joining me this morning. And there he is. Lenora, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining me this morning. First off, congratulations on your first offer. It's a pretty weird one being so far away. How did that connection with Washington State come about? Um, they saw me at a camp a couple a couple years back, and I think that's when they took interest. And then they talked to my quarterback, coaching and then they did. So, so they did. So they talked to your quarterback coach, and then they they thought, okay, we're we're re- we're we want to give him an offer. Um, I'm not sure how it went, <laughs> but I know they talked before, but I don't know like what exactly went down. Uh, especially after the offer. Um, well, are there any other schools, more local schools, that have taken interest in you yet? Um, yes, sir. Coach Marlowe has been taking calls since Wednesday after I got offered. So, um, so there have been other schools since you got the offer from Washington State that that have been have shown some interest. Yes, sir. Um, what, uh, obviously the recruiting landscape, uh, has been changing and has changed drastically over the last couple of days. Um, what have coaches both, you know, uh, both your high school coaches and also, uh, prospective college coaches, what have they been telling you about the new transfer rule and how it's going to affect recruiting and what kind of guidance have you been getting uh, about this new landscape that we're heading towards? Um, they just were saying that they don't know what's exactly going to happen because has, everything hasn't been finalized yet. So they're mm-hmm. just saying um, to plan on going to some camps over the summer. Um, that's really it, just to plan on going to some camps over the summer see if they don't know what's going to happen. Have they? Have you signed up for any camps yet? Uh, I haven't signed up for any camps yet, but I think I have a lineup of what camps. What camps I'm gonna go to? That your first offer being from Washington State, like I mentioned, that's a bit of a trek uh, from South Carolina. Is moving that far away something that would potentially interest you, or are you looking for seeing some? offers coming closer to home? Um, well, if I was to go there, it wouldn't be a problem for me, but it really doesn't matter to me like where in the country I go to school at. I've, uh, recruiting has uh, opened back up uh, now do you plan – I know you mentioned doing some camps over the summer. Do you plan on either making the trek out to Washington over the summer to check out the campus or potentially going to any other visits this summer? 
Well, when I talked to Washington State, he said he'll rather fly out here and see me at a camp than me have to fly out there because he's not sure how everybody's doing financially during COVID. So, Has that been the way uh, a lot of coaches have been through this process, that they're more focused on coming to see the recruits than the recruits coming to see them? Um, that's just how Washington State was. Like, I'm like local schools, like schools in North Carolina. I can go there mm-hmm. for some camps and stuff and visits and stuff. But like, just because they're across the country, that's just what he said. How how different as compared to what you expected and maybe what you what you were preparing for before everything happened, how different has the recruiting process been this past year and and the camp process and all of that? Uh, And then how different do you think it's going to be now that things are opening back up? Um, This year, um, you never know, like, what's to be expected because it didn't really start opening back up until, like, about, about, like, right now. Mm-hmm. When last year it was like basically year year like long, and then so now it'll probably start by getting to the year long type deal. Yeah. Looking at this season and and looking at you know your junior year. Uh, first off, what um. You had a bit of an up and down season last year. What what did you learn most from your sophomore season uh, as you head into your junior? Um, just to control what I can control. That was the and biggest then, thing I learned this year. What what are you most looking forward to uh, when it comes to this upcoming season? Um. Growing as a player and bringing my team along with me. Do you uh, do you guys know who your first opponent of the season is going to be yet? Um, Bluffton High School. Ah, okay. Well, thanks a lot for uh, joining me this morning, Lenoris. Uh, hopefully, looking forward to seeing some more offers coming your way. And uh, oh, yes, sir to seeing some great football from you uh, this upcoming season. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, that was Lenora Sellers from South Florence High School. Uh, always fun talking uh, with the with the top recruits in the in the state, and and he he makes a good point. He, he does. Uh, that's an interesting uh, concept, and especially with with COVID still here, and you know, even with the majority of things starting to come back up, and, and with you know, um, e- even with the majority of things opening back up, and even with uh, you know, the, what am I trying, what's the word I'm looking for? 
Even with the majority of things opening back up and the majority of people getting the vaccine and all of that, I think a lot of coaches, especially for something like that, the the cross-country trek, and he mentioned the economic issues as well, which makes sense. Uh, You know, it will, it probably will make sense for coaches, especially for a cross-country type situation uh, to be a, you know, say, I'm going to come to you instead of you coming to me. But at the same time, a lot of recruits, you would think and hope that a lot of recruits would want to go to the school and see how it is see what what kind of facilities they have, see the atmosphere, maybe catch a game while they're there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, but, yeah, once again, congrats to Lenora Sellers. Great seeing him, uh, you know, great seeing him get that offer. Uh, and, hey, what, South Florence against Bluffton, that's, that should be a good game to start off the season uh for them. That that should be a fun that should be a fun little matchup uh for them. But yeah, you know, the But that's one thing. And it's gonna be interesting what now that the the dead period is over uh but the the pandemic did create this this new reality that and and we've seen it we've seen it on both sides honestly uh where in the past and obviously regionalism still makes sense you know still works and a lot of players would rather stay closer to home than going across country and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are a number of reasons for why recruiting locally is still the better option. But you look at it on both sides, you know, the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world are going, are, are looking at California recruits and West Coast recruits and bringing them East, and now the West Coast teams are starting to get wise and are saying, okay, you know, turnabout's fair play, and we're going to start looking East. You know, uh, you had uh, Adam Randall get an offer from Oregon. Now you have Lenora Sellers getting this offer from Washington State. You have a few other guys that have gotten offers from Pac-12 or Mountain West teams. So the recruiting landscape has changed dramatically and and the pandemic and the the fact that everything is on film now has certainly changed that. Now you don't need to go and watch a player in person. Yeah, you may want to see them in person in like a practice type situation and get to know them a little more in depth. But 
it's not as necessary as might have been in the past. So it's going to be interesting to see how how these things how how this impacts recruiting as well. You know, we talked about the 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 wave the transfer waivers and and all of that. But in the past you were competing against you know XML players in your state that were expected to be college recruits. Now you're competing about against the rest of the country. Because you're because that's just the world we live in now. We live in a much smaller world and a much more connected world than we ever have. And so as a result, you're having this this situation where recruits are being recruited by everyone. So it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, he mentioned that he's getting more looks now after the Washington State offer, which that seems to happen. You know, a recruit, if you're a recruit, it seems like as soon as you get that first offer, then the floodgates start opening because then other schools are thinking, oh, he got recruited by that school. I need to look into this guy because until someone, you know, gives you that offer, other schools may not be looking at you. They may not be, they may not have you on their radar. But once that first offer comes in and they realize, oh, okay, he's legit, then the offers start coming in. And so I would not be surprised at all if we saw Lenora Sellers get a couple more offers uh, as we as we progress. And And here's the thing, too. He's only going into his junior year. So that's going to make a big impact on things as well. Uh, Because he still has time. And that helps. That helps in a number of ways. For one, you know, you can have a full season knowing that eyes are on you. And thus, as a result, you're able to focus on playing strongly and and having that resume-building season to get the the other schools looking at you. And then on top of that, you have that added time now, the added time may hurt you as well because schools may look in other directions. But 
you have that opportunity to get more offers and have time to figure out, okay, where where do I really want to go? So, you know, good luck to him. Looking forward to seeing more of him uh, this season and the next as well and see where he ends up landing. We'll go through uh, a few more uh, high school notes before we take a break, and then we'll have uh, we'll have Jay Metz joining me at eight from Dutch Fork. Talk to him about the baseball season and and all of that. Uh, Gil Payne from Easley won his six hundredth career game, and Andy Hallett from AC Flora won his 500th career game. So a lot of milestones occurring this season. Uh, And especially after, you know, you got to think about it too. A lot of these milestones would have occurred last year had it was, if it wasn't for the pandemic and the shutdown. So, these coaches have been sitting on these milestones saying I'm only a few games away for a whole year. So it's a, it's a big accomplishment for both of those guys. Uh, The, the South Florence head coach got his 300th last week. So congratulations to all of those guys. Uh, on the milestone uh, victories. Caleb Gaither from Lower Richland was hired by Northwestern as the new head basketball coach. Congratulations to him. That should be a big boost for Lower Richland. And Ashley Brown was introduced earlier this week as the new great collegiate girls basketball coach. She played for South Carolina, so congratulations to her. That should help that program out, which is always good in boys' basketball. The girls trying to get up to that level as well. And then one other hire this week. Rodney Mooney was hired as the new Wilson head coach, was Woodland's offensive coordinator, so congratulations to him. Wilson is able to replace Derek Coward pretty quickly, and you know we'll have to wait and see how he uh, stacks up at Wilson. Wilson still, you know, like I mentioned, like we talked about with Derek Howard a few weeks ago, Will uh, Region Six Four A is the cream of the crop, and so he's going to have his work cut out for him against that juggernaut of a region. Uh, Wilson looked to be, they, they were thought to be a very good program last year, but didn't quite, uh, didn't quite live up to expectations. So they're going to want to come out strong again this year and try to prove themselves, uh, this season with a new head coach. So once again, congratulations to Rodney. Uh, for next season for football have been announced this week. Uh, 
Airport against Swansea. Edesso versus Vanberg Earhart. Barnwell versus Wilson Elko. North Central versus Lee Central. Spring Valley versus White Knoll. That should be an interesting game. Burns versus Greer should be a good one. Blythewood against Fairfield Central. North Augusta against Lakeside. And the big one around here, this should more than likely, this is going to be the game of the week for week zero. Conway against North Myrtle Beach. You know, Conway still trying to get back to where they feel that they should be uh, at the top of Region 6-5A. And North Merrill Beach coming off of their lower state championship. Uh, they're going to want to start off the season strong. So that's going to be a very, very good game uh, and should be a fun one to watch uh, for all involved in, in a big one right here on the Grand Strand. So we'll take a quick break. In a few minutes, we'll have uh, we'll have Jay Metz coming on to him about his commitment, what uh, what his recruiting was like, um, you know, what it's like playing with Will Taylor, and how he feels about the season thus far and moving forward into the home stretch of the baseball season. So we'll have a bunch of things to talk to him about in just a little bit. So be sure to stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central as we head towards the top of the hour. And as always, if you guys want to get your thoughts in on anything, if you want to call in, get your thoughts on anything, whether it's nationally, locally, what have you, talk about the the recruiting landscape, talk about other things, be sure to call in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. Like I mentioned, we'll have... Jay Metz coming on in just a little bit. At 3, we'll be back from the state. And at 9, we'll have Brandon Dunn from WPDE coming on uh, to talk about all things here on the Grand Strand. Got a bunch of other things to talk about this morning. Got some national news to talk about this morning. Uh, so lot, lots of things to talk about, uh, so be sure to keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is matted black, got the boots is black. 
Unlimited right here on Southern Central as we head towards the top of the hour and Jay Metz joining us from Dutch Fork. Dutch Fork primarily known as a you know, they are primarily known as the power in five A, but they've been very good in, in basketball and baseball. They're just you know, when when most people think of five A powerhouses, you know, most people think of Dorman. You know, most people think of Dorman as being the most consistently good in every sport program in five A, having all the facilities, having the coverage that they get, all of. Uh, but Dutch Fork is right up there, and I, and I would dare say in recent years have been even better than Dorman overall. You know, Dorman's had the edge in basketball for the most part, uh, but Dutch Fork has been very good as well on the on the basketball court, on the baseball diamond, obviously on the football field. So you know, Dutch Fork if not the top team in 5A overall, when when you combine all of the teams, you would, or, yeah, when you combine all of their programs, you would have to say they're at least number two. So as we await uh, Jay Metz joining us, uh, 
run down through some of the other topics we'll talk about uh, later on this morning, potentially after the interview with Jay Metz, uh, or later on this morning. Got some NBA news. Talk about the the Nets and what they've been up to. Uh, got some NFL notes. Got um, got a few uh, signings that happened earlier this week. Uh, and talk about how how those signings could impact uh, could impact next season. As there, Jay Metz is joining us. Jay, good morning. How's it going? And uh, first off, congratulations on your commitment. Um, describe the recruiting process and, and what made you choose uh, the college of Charleston. Um, well, you know, it's been it's been pretty difficult with all the COVID rules that the NCAA has. So it's just been a it's been a real struggle to just get seen, pretty much. But I mean, I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity. How did you how did you work against that? Obviously it's been hard for everyone this year in your class, uh, getting noticed, getting their film out, having to work through this completely different landscape of recruiting with the dead period. How how did you personally work through that and, and what were coaches trying to tell you to help you through this process? Yes, sir. Uh, I played summer ball this past uh, summer with the Diamond Devils, and uh, their coaches uh, really helped just make phone calls to various schools just to try to get me a look. And uh, same with the coaches at Dutch Forks. They've just been trying to make phone calls and tell me to send video. And so that's just kind of how we've tried to get around it. A lot of people talk about uh, how – uh, on the baseball diamond, travel baseball, and then, you know, for basketball, you've got AAU and stuff like that. How big how big of an impact as compared to high school do you think your travel team was for this? And, and what what do you think the ratio in terms of what's more important between the two is for getting recruited? Um, I mean... Summer ball has a big impact because you're playing national players. When you go to, like, different national tournaments, you're playing a bigger field, a bigger pool of players. It's better competition, and just in a normal year, you'd have a better chance of getting seen by college coaches. And, I mean, (laughs) it has a a huge impact on getting recruited. You you both pitch and and play in the field. Do you know yet? what position they're playing on putting you at, at Charleston? Uh, I'll just, I'll leave that to the coaches. I'll play, I'll play anywhere. Okay. Um, especially for, for your pitching when, when you're pitching, how much does it, how much does having Will Taylor as the ace of that staff and the focal point help you help take off the pressure uh, for you and have you focus on what you need to do on any given day? Oh, it, it's it's a huge impact. I mean, it's not just him. It's it's every guy on the on the field. You know, it's just it's easy to pitch when you've got a a great defense behind you. You know, just know they're going to make the play behind you. 
how how much do you, how, how much do you feed off of your defense and and you, how much does the team feed off of each other and help each other out on that level? Oh, it, oh, it's it's a it's a um, you know the the dugout chemistry is just phenomenal on this team. I mean, we just we feed off each other and just uh just make plays and it just it just makes everything fun. Hey, that's that's the that's the biggest thing is when you're having fun playing it and the teams, you know, rolling on all cylinders, yep. it helps a lot. That's for sure. Uh, yes, sir. And and you've had a great season thus far. What does this team need to do to to win a state championship? Uh, we just need to keep playing together, uh, just keep for each other, and just uh, keep this chemistry that we have. Just just keep going. Take it one game at a time. Uh, in your senior season, uh, anything, both on the field and potentially off, anything you're most looking forward to when it comes to the rest of your senior year uh, that you haven't done yet? Uh, just, just want to keep winning games and uh, hopefully win a state title. I mean, that's uh, that's the ultimate goal. Well, hopefully you guys can get there. Uh, certainly have some stiff competition in the lower state, and and one if you do get the state championship up in the upper state. Uh, but good luck to you, and uh, looking and hopefully uh, hopefully you do get to the state championship this season. Thank you for joining me this morning once again, Jay Metz from Dutch Fork. Uh, joining me this morning. Always fun talking to uh, the players around the state. Uh, and, you know, he mentioned it, you know, the the chemistry. The chemistry that you have uh, between players, especially. And and this is actually a, a, an interesting debate, and and I'm not sure if any any sort of research has been done on it to determine what is you know if if you could even figure it out scientifically. But out of the three big team sports, which one requires chemistry the most? You know, and and what I would personally have to say football because everyone plays their role at 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 one time, so you need that chemistry between the entire team. You know, by the same token, you know, even in baseball where it's technically somewhat an individual sport in a way, if if the team isn't on the same page, it can cause problems. So no matter what sport you play, you need that team chemistry and, and you need that to, to help yourself out. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun talking to him. Um, and you know, it's 
it's going to be fun seeing him play at the next level. That That is for sure. And, and you know, it, it certainly helps a guy like him having that uh, – having that dynamic arm and that dynamic talent of Will Taylor uh on on the other side of you. Um because Will Taylor he's he's look he's being looked at by MLB teams as as a potential draft pick, the draft for the MLB I believe in July this year. Uh but you know that's that's something that's going to be interesting to see uh you know with that if if they're going to be able to um if if he ends up i i don't think because i think his primarily primary focus is football uh but he is going to be a dual sport athlete at Clemson i Doubt even if he got drafted in the first round, which I doubt. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's still gonna go to Clemson no matter what. Uh, but he's he's gonna be someone to look out for next year. Obviously, you know, uh, look out for um, look out for Jay Metz as well, uh, and Dutch Fork, like I mentioned, as a whole. That whole program is just teeming with talent in every sport. So, with uh, a little over 20 minutes before we have Lou Bejack from the state come on, have a bunch of things to talk to him about, we'll switch gears, talk a a little bit of national news uh, for the next 20 minutes or so. Talk some NBA real quick. Uh, and the big news this week, at least to me, is that, well, first off, the big news that came out just yesterday is that LaMarcus Aldridge has decided to call it quits, has decided to hang it up in the middle of the season. It's surprising to me, especially considering how a lot of people have been talking about the net. And this this retirement, and yes, I understand he was hurting and all of that. The fact that he retired in the middle of the season when a lot of people have been saying this could be an NBA championship team, I think that just proves to me right that there that they're not. Because here's the thing, think about it. If you're, especially because, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge has never won an NBA title. So I'm sure he'd like to have one. Legitimate chance for a championship. Even if you're not at 100%, and even if you're you're saying, my, my body's breaking down, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a professional athlete, you're going to be able to fight through it if you want to. And that's why I honestly feel like 
he saw the writing on the wall. He knew that this team was not ready yet. And he said, I'm not going to put my body through that without winning a title. That's just my thought. I could be completely wrong. But it it points to me that I don't think... And I mentioned this before. I, I mentioned this after they made all of their moves that and, and they got all this hype. I said, I don't think the chemistry is going to be there to win a championship this season. Do I think they're going to get one eventually? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But do I think they're going to get one, you know, this year? No. Uh, and not to mention... They lost to the 76ers last night. Yes, I know they haven't been full at full spr- at full strength lately, and that's been hurting. But I still, this week especially, and, and they lost too. They lost the Lakers. They lost to the 76ers, and they're gonna have to beat the Lakers in a seven game series more than likely if they want to win a championship. This week has shown me without a shadow of a doubt that they're not ready to win all this year. They're just not. They're not. They don't have the chemistry. They uh, they have talent. Don't get me wrong. They have the talent, but they don't have the chemistry. They don't have the the role player pieces. You know. LaMarcus Aldridge could have been one of those pieces. And yes, they have some other big men that can help them. But I just, I they have enough to beat the Lakers. They may not even have enough to beat the 76ers in, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. That will, that will, is yet to be determined. But especially with, especially after this week, I just, I just don't see it. And and again, I said this about the Buccaneers all throughout last season when it came to football, and they managed to win the Super Bowl. So I've been proven wrong in the past. But I, this. This situation, I'm just not seeing it. I'm I'm just not seeing it. So, the 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 Nets are going to be good. Don't get me wrong, and they're uh, I I can almost guarantee that they're going to win a championship at some point over the next few years if they get the pieces around their big three and they can get the chemistry prop, you know, have the, the proper chemistry between those three. Cause that's the thing. And, and this has been something that has been a worry of, of super team creators for a long time now. But, but now I think more than ever, or in this situation more than any other, 
there really isn't that clear-cut leader or the the guy that's willing to say, okay, I'll back off in order to make this work. You know, with, you know, we'll we'll start all the way back, you know, I mean, if you really think about it, you know, uh, the the Lakers had a big three super team back in the eighties with with Magic, you know, uh, Worthy and Baylor, but Magic was the focal point. So he and he, but he was also the point guard, so he could facilitate. You know, then you you know. You look at you consider the Bulls of the '90s a big three, with Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman. But again, Jordan was the focal point. You know, looking at the looking at the Celtics of the the mid to late 2000s. There, it's a little different. There, it was a little different because each of them had their role. And there wasn't really like I would I would have to say that Pierce was probably the focal point of that team because he was there the longest and he was the he he was the you know the Celtic lifer and all of that. But I don't think he was necessarily you know, it wasn't a situation where he was the main scorer. It was he was the driver Arnett was the inside guy, and and Allen was your three-point specialist. So you had that in your favor. You know, looking at the Heat, when they made their big three, when the term big three became the, 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 the moniker, while Dwayne Wade was the the heat lifer and and you would have thought he might have been the focal point he he backstepped and said nope this is lebron's team and he was the focal point so you had that maturity and that respect of wade to say you got it big man take it and that's what that's what i feel like you need in brooklyn that don't get me wrong respect for each other and i think and they're going to work it out eventually but i just i don't know if they necessarily have enough time especially with everything going on this year and Kyrie being in the the mindset that he's in right now and also injuries. You have to take injuries into account as well. I don't think you have enough time to figure it all out. You don't. You don't have that time. You don't have that time to be able to figure out. Okay, who gets the ball in this situation? Who gets the ball in this situation? And. Durant needs the ball in his hand. Kyrie kind of needs the ball in his hands. Harden, he can facilitate a little more. So he's not as much of the issue. You need to figure out where where the ball's moving and, and how to work that all out. So like I said, do I think they'll be able to work it out? 
and and let me just go back real quick. You know, talk about one other big three that they were. You know, a lot of people were worried about them as well, but they were able to work it out and win a championship. And that is the the Warriors with Curry, Thompson, and Durant. But there again, you know, Curry kind of backed up and said, you know, okay, I'll be you know, facilitator slash three-point specialist. Thompson was already a three-point specialist. And so Durant was your primary scorer. Durant was driver. So you had that worked out already. And you kind of have that in Brooklyn already because Harden's more of a three-point guy. Curry, or, uh, Irving's kind of more of a three-point guy a little bit as well. So you kind of have that already built in. But it's something that they're going to need to to figure out. And And like I said, I just, especially with how they've been playing recently, I just don't think they have enough time. And certainly not enough time together with with the injuries and all of that to get it working. Will they get it working eventually? Will they get it working over the next couple of seasons? Absolutely. They're going to win a championship at some point. And like I said, I could be dead wrong. I, I could absolutely be completely off the mark like I was with Brady and the, and the Buccaneers. And they go on a tear at full strength in the playoffs and dominate everyone. It could happen. But do I think it's going to happen? No. Not by a long shot. So that's my uh, that that's my quick little NBA rant for the morning. We'll have some NFL news uh, a little bit later. Talk about some signings for a couple of teams and and how it's going to impact both of those teams. We'll we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Probably uh, for the last half hour of the show, we'll talk about those signings and and get get some draft talk at least started uh, for next week, where next week uh, will be just under a week away from the NFL draft. So next week we'll be focused on on the draft and, and what to expect, where guys will be going, maybe some surprises, get you completely prepared for all of that. So got a few minutes before Lou Bejack from the state comes on at eight thirty. Got a lot of things to talk to him about this morning, uh both high school and obviously with the recruiting news. Um uh, we'll talk to him about that and, and where he sees things going uh going from here. So I will a quick break and we will come right back 
with more Sports Unlimited. And don't forget, we got Brandon Dunn coming on at 9 o'clock as well. And as always, if you want to get your voice heard, if you want to call in after Lou or call in after Brandon Dunn before the show ends, be sure to do do so. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll take a quick break and come right back with Lou Bajak from the state right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Limited right here on Southern Sports Central as we await Lou Bezak from the state to join me in just a few minutes right here at the bottom of the hour. Approaching 8.30 and I have a bunch of things to talk to him about. Uh, you know, spring break tournaments uh, and then obviously talk about what's been going on with the NCAA and, and their, uh, the, the new rules and, and how it's going to affect, uh, both college, how it's going to affect South Carolina and Clemson. So how it's going to affect the local high school programs, uh, around the state and what, what coaches are saying and what their plans are to, you know, impact this, this whole situation. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, there, there are certainly opportunity, there are certainly issues and, and things that are going to have to be worked out with this new system, but there are opportunities for, different programs and and different areas that either have just recently started to build or have been underutilized over the years, especially in today's environment when it comes to, you know, when when it comes to uh, exposure and, and all of that, in today's environment with the internet and with all the different platforms that are available, there are ways for players to be seen no matter where they go. So, you know, but we've got Lou on the phone and Lou, good morning. Good morning, Brandon. How you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. We'll start off in the high school ranks. There were a couple of big, uh, spring break tournaments in the Midlands last week. What were some of your uh, biggest takeaways from those tournaments and, and what teams stood out uh, as we toward the regular season? Um, well, the two winner, I mean, the two, two of the big spring break, there was two big ones were um, the SC diamond invitational, yeah. uh, which was hosted by Blythewood, but it was um, hosted by Blythewood, but it had to be played at Lexington and Brooklyn Casey because Richland too, um, didn't want Blythewood hosting multiple schools mo- traveling in and that. Yeah. So they hosted in two different sites and uh, Blythewood ended up winning uh, the tournament. They beat Dorman in a pretty good game. Uh, they won in the bottom of the sixth. Um, uh, I think Blythewood is, they're definitely one of the favorites in the upper state. They'll win the upper state brackets in class five a, and um, they're, they've been in the top five all, all year. And uh, I think they got pretty strong pitching and, um, I think they were one of the favorites last year to make it to the championship and with everything shut down. They got a lot of different pieces uh, this year. It's a younger group, only a couple seniors, but they're really talented. <clears throat> they got two really good pitchers in uh, Kevin Steelman and Davis Wright and a closer in Zach Cowan, if you can get the ball to him. He's been pretty lights out for the most part, and uh, I think they're going to be a team to watch uh, for sure in that tournament. Also, Lexington which I think has a chance as well. Uh, they lost last night to Dutch Fork, but uh, they should be one of the two 
two playoff teams from Region 5, 5A, um, with the other being Dutch Fork, who Dutch Fork, uh, they made it to um, – they didn't make it to the championship of the Forest Acres Classic, which was the, another of uh, the big tournaments uh, they lost in the semifinals. Um, or they lost uh, their last game to Great Collegiate, so they ended up finishing third. But uh, they split with Lexington this week, and they, they lead them by a half a game, one and a half games going into the uh, final four games of the regular season. Um, they're, they're pretty strong. They got a pro prospect in Will Taylor, whose um, pro scouts were at every game last week, and, and uh, his game uh, Monday night that I was at, I think there was about seven. Uh, there's a chance he can go in the top three rounds uh, probably. Uh, he's also committed to play football and baseball at Clemson, so he'll have a decision to make in the next couple months. Um, team that won at uh, River Bluff, they've won two of the biggest tournaments, that the Forest Acres, and then uh, they won the preseason Nature Cam, but they're not going to make the playoffs, it looks like. I mean, they lost last night and really dug themselves a hole, and with only the top three making it, uh, they're going to be a really good team that's not going to make the playoffs. So, And another team in that uh, – Four Acres Classic, the host team, AC Flora, which um, preseason number one in 4A, and they're pretty good. Um, I saw them last night. Coach Hallett got his 500th victory. Um, they got three South Carolina commits on, on the roster and a couple other college guys. So uh, they're going to be uh, one to watch in 4A Upper State, which should be pretty competitive with the uh, likes of Greenville and Eastside as well. You, you mentioned will the decision to make has he made any sort of indication where where you think he may go one way or another, depending upon where he gets drafted uh, in the in the draft? No, he. That's one thing. He's pretty kept it pretty pretty quiet. I mean, I've talked to him a lot over the last few months, and I think that that's intentional. I mean, they're not going to tip their hand one way or another. His parents have done a great job um, financially. It's not going to be they're not in need so the, the money but uh the opportunity to make, play professional ball and, and this with the signing bonus and the chance i mean you're risking well you're not risking it but if you try to go play two sports you could improve your stock in that but uh the chance to play professional baseball and being a high pick like that that doesn't come too often so if i had my pick i think him and the other guy bubba chandler who uh, is another Clemson commit. He's from Georgia. He's quarterback, but uh, he's also a high, high-ranked prospect. There's a chance that Clemson could lose both of them, which would really hurt their QB depth, to which uh, is uh, after the injury to Pumachon um, is, is really thin right now. So that'll, that'll make uh, Dabo have an interesting uh, decision to see what they would do maybe if they go try and pick up a quarterback if those two aren't, aren't on campus um, in June. Well, he he gets full health, uh, not for this year. Well, technically for this year, I think it does officially take effect now. So he would get some help with this uh, if if either one of them or both of them did go to uh, did this uh, pro baseball. NCAA, well, first lifting the recruiting dead period uh, starting in June. Uh, do coaches and players expect an influx of interest and in, Oh, and things really starting to ramp back up once the once things open up in June. Yeah, the recruiting. I mean, you look at schools are already posting info about their camps, their summer camps, and that it's going to be full go. I know we did a story with Coach Beamer uh, a month, 
month or so ago on this topic, and they're ready to go full bolt or, uh, and get get kids on campus, and they they think that definitely will help them and other schools as well. There's something about just being on campus and getting to go through facilities and uh, see everything firsthand. I mean, there's nothing against the virtual tours and everything, and if kids come and do things on their own, but something about having that structure, it'll have the camps, and um, camps are a huge thing as well to to kind of maybe see some kids that they might have, uh, in South Carolina's case, I mean, these new staff, uh, to see them in person and see, see what these kids got. The other big news that came out of the NCAA this week, uh, officially approving the one-time free transfer. How much is how much are coaches and players expecting this to affect recruiting? <laughs> it's already started. I mean, you can see it by the transfer portal in basketball with over 1,500 guys um, in, in the portal. It's it's definitely going to change at least early these next two years. I mean, I think you're going to see. I mean, a high school kids might i mean they're going to go these schools are going to go to juco and they're trying to get kids from other schools now um trying to re-recruit some of these guys and i think you'll see uh, maybe coaches do that route um first because you're going to get veteran guys and um that, that already know college and been uh through routines like that i, I think they're more off to go get those kind of guys and kids straight out of high school that you got to um that you got to teach and learn, especially basketball-wise. I, I think uh, you see that these these schools picking up, um, like kid from Furman, the girly guy goes to Al- Alabama, and uh, we saw with South Carolina they're getting two uh, veteran guys uh, from the Columbia area among their four transfers. Um, you just get guys that have been through um, playing at a high level already, and they know what it takes. So that's that's things you don't have to spend time teaching and keep people know. So it's uh. It's going to be interesting to see how it affects things. And, I mean, uh, you kind of feel bad for, like, the smaller schools uh, at the the non-Power 5 schools that are getting, going to get guys coached from them. So it'll be um, – <laughs> it's just going to be interesting. I think um, you're going to see, especially in the first couple of years, and it might taper off a little bit after that, but I think these first couple of years you're going to see a lot of it. So, Especially for these first couple of years, like you mentioned, for – the the kids that are in school right now, uh, how much do you think this is going to impact things on the high school level, especially uh, for football? Well, football, I mean, I think your five and four stars not going to recruit, I mean, not going to affect that much, but could affect the other guys and kids might have to not get the higher interest that they wanted and they might have to go to smaller schools to start out um, just because like I said, schools are going to try and get those those veteran guys in uh, first, especially if you're trying to build a program like Coach Beamer. You, you want guys that have played, I mean, on the high level, whether it's Power 5 or put in a, two or three years at an FCS school um, that, that have, have that experience. So you're going to see that. I mean, uh, like I said, your top recruits, I don't think it's going to change. It's uh, those other guys that um, you might want – the offers that come in early, you might see kids committing early because you don't know when those uh, offers can be taken away. Yeah, that and that that kind of leads me to my next question. You know, you be in not waiting on more offers. Do you think there are going to be any other uh, 
unintended consequences or anything that we may not be seeing right away that may result from this on both people and well, you might see oversigning. Frank Martin said it yesterday in this press conference. He said, we're going to oversign in, in the fall because you don't know when these guys are going to transfer and that. So you want to have the extra guys in. So you're going to see teams as schools oversign just to be on the safe side when you're going to have the guys transfer as well. So I think you're going to see that a little bit more, especially in basketball because of the influx. So a lot of these schools might have, in South Carolina's case, and you even see with Florida and some of these other uh, bigger schools, uh, the turnover of six or seven guys. So you're going to see a big, a uh, big shift in, in um, schools maybe oversigning just to compensate to make sure they have guys in case uh, uh, ones decide to transfer and everything. How would that work uh, with the current system? How would that work if they do oversign, but none of those guys end up transferring? Well happen then oh i mean you have the red shirt you could red shirt obviously and have that and or just um i mean if kids if you oversign you maybe i don't know would have to walk on maybe um maybe that first year gray shirt or whatever um so you could see that as well but it's definitely gonna be different and change i think recruiting is going to be definitely uh, modified and changed over these next few years. So um, it'll be interesting to see how coaches ad- adjust and adapt. You can already see them doing it. I mean, with a lot of these kids that have signed, um, especially in basketball-wise, uh, you haven't really seen it too much in football because it wasn't – they didn't really know if that the rule was going to be effect. But maybe in the summer, I mean, you get kids done uh, in the spring – and then they want to transfer. I think you might see a lot more kids uh, trying to transfer in, in the summer um, and try to land with uh, new schools. Yeah, it's it's a whole new world uh, for college recruiting, and it's gonna it's de- it's definitely gonna take some time to uh, figure out all the ins and outs of everything, and and figure out where where everyone lands. Uh, Lou, thanks for joining me this morning, as always, and uh, look forward to to talking to you next week. All right, Brandon. Appreciate it. Once again, that's Lou Bezak from the state. Always fun talking with him. Uh, Always fun talking with him. And, you know, like you mentioned, and that's going to be an interesting concept he brought up is of schools over-signing guys taking away, you know, saying, oh, if you, you know, if you don't transfer, you know, the scholarship gets taken away, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's kind of already happened. And it's already happening. That's one, that's one kind of unintended consequence um, of this. And, and it's, it was already there to an extent. This is something that you saw happening already in the college ranks, but you, I, I feel like you're going to see it even more now because of uh, these new, the, these new recruiting rules. Uh, 
of a coach basically pulling a player aside and saying, "Hey, you know, you're you're not needed here anymore, or you know, you're not going to get playing time here anymore." So I recommend transferring. And and now with this, uh, you know, one-time transfer rule. I could see that getting expanded. I could see coaches basically essentially looking for a brand if they have a poor season. If they feel like they can get guys the transfer portal that will suit their needs and suit their style of play and, and suit what they're looking for better than a player that they currently have on their team, they're probably going to take it. They're they're probably gonna say okay, you know, I'll I'll draft, you know, not draft, but you know, I'll I'll take this, I'll I'll go after this guy and get him, and you know, as a result, having uh, you know, you you could potentially see. I don't think you'll see a whole team change. You're you're not going to see anything like that, anything that drastic. But you could potentially see, you know, three or four guys get transferred. You, You could see three or four guys, you know, being told to transfer in order to open up space for three or four new guys that that they want. And obviously you're going to have guys still that uh, that are transferring because they want to transfer. So, like I mentioned, and it, it's kind of funny, you know, uh, if, if you've ever watched the 30 for 30 Pony Access, about the SMU scandal and the death penalty and and all of that for SMU, which I highly recommend going to watch if you haven't watched already. But but if you haven't watched it already, eighty seven, eighty eight team who were who were on the death penalty team, they talk about how. And this was back when, when, uh, when it was a lot harder to transfer. You know, you had when when the death penalty was handed down, and those players were allowed to have that free transfer because there was no football program to speak of. Look at how the uh, look at how the you know the the hawks came swooping down as soon as that decision came down. The from all over the country were automatically there. And ready to swoop up anyone they could. 
basically what it's like. It's like the Wild West out there, and now it's everyone doing it. And it's... I have a feeling there's going to be some growing pains with this. There's going to be some things that the NCAA and everyone did not anticipate. I'm hoping that there aren't too many shenanigans when it comes to all of this, but I'm not holding my breath on that. I I could easily see that happening. Um, I could easily see... I could easily see, you know, a few schools doing some shady things in order to get the recruits that they want. And some under-the-table things. And and here's the thing about it too, is that you know, first off, if if you don't think this stuff happens already, you're completely naive. But even when it comes to that, but especially because of that, actually, because these coaches have done this for years. Decades when it comes to regular recruiting, high school recruiting, they have alternate means of doing things. You know, if they want a certain recruit to transfer, I'm sure they contact, you know, the high school coach, who oftentimes players stay in contact with their high school coaches, even in college. They contact that high school coach and say, hey, you know, con- convince that player to, to come here, and maybe we'll give you something in return. I mean, there have been, you know, that that's how, you know, that's how Seton Hall got, call- got caught, is because uh, I believe it was for, um, it was for Isaiah Powell, I think, if I remember correctly, or it might have been, it might have been other recruit prior to that. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he was a bit he was a big recruit before Powell was signed for Seton Hall. They gave his high school coach an assistant position on the staff at Seton Hall. And that's what brought the NCAA in. And so, you know, they didn't get hit with too too huge of uh too huge of issues. But, you know, that sort of thing is is the types of things that coaches do. So, now with this transfer rule, I can easily easily see it developing into more. I mean, even more of of the Wild West out there. I'm hoping I'm wrong. Like I said, I'm hoping I'm wrong. But I'm also not exactly holding my breath when it comes to it either. So that, those, those are my thoughts after talking with Lou about it. We'll talk more um, about all of this stuff as well as some other uh, notes uh, with Brandon Dunn in just a little bit. Uh, 
you know, talk some more ba- high school baseball, um, and talk about a talk about a bunch of different things with with uh, Brandon Dunn from WPDA um, when we come back. So we'll take a quick break and come right back. Brandon Dunn from WPDA here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and as always. If you want to call in uh, after Brandon Dunn, after Brandon Dunn gets off for the uh, last half hour to forty-five minutes of the show, uh, after Brandon Dunn jumps off, be sure to call in three two three seven eight four nine six eight one is that number to call. That number again three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. We'll take a quick break. And come right back with Brandon Dunn from WPDE right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And joining me now is Brandon Dunn from WPDE. Brandon, how's it going this morning? All right. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Haven't talked to you in a while. Hope your vacation was good. Yes, it was very good. Always good to uh, get out of town for a while, for no yeah. doubt. Yeah. Uh, Getting back to work now, You um, were you back for the Mingo Bay? I forget if you were there or not. No, I wasn't there. That was last week. Yeah, I was on vacation, but uh, yeah. pretty good tournament, uh, good championship game. Obviously, I still stayed in tuned about what was going on and uh, and got to see some highlights of that championship game. So, uh, good, uh, good tournament, as it always is. Good to have it back because I know last year, obviously, we didn't have it because of the COVID situation, so it was nice to uh, – have that tournament back always a good uh, good event. Yeah, and a big big uh, championship win for North Myrtle Beach in the finals, uh, winning it on in walk off fashion. How how impressed were you with what you saw of the Chiefs' performance, especially after losing to Sakasie in the beginning of the season at the CIT? Yeah, you know um, it's two really good baseball teams that I think are going to go pretty far. Uh, in the postseason when the uh, playoffs begin here in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, North Myrtle's um, arguably got, you know, one of the best pitching staffs uh, in the in the state with Barlow and uh, and Cam Freeman. Um, you know, good win for them. It was a, a good uh, good game. And like I said, two really good programs. Sockasee just won the region with a win over Carolina Forest the other day. And, uh, you know, they've, uh, they've had a really good season as well. So, um, you know, couldn't ask for a better championship between two really solid programs. And you, you mentioned Sakasee clinching Region 6-5A uh, already with a little over half a month left to go in the season. They only have the one region game left anyway against Carolina Forest, but they still have a few games uh, in non-region play after that. How do you think that impacts the rest of their season and, and their preparedness come playoff time? Um, I don't think it, uh, you know, it really does. Um, you know, they're pretty solid on what they do and what they've been able to accomplish this past season uh, on on Diamond. You know, that's a, like I said, it's a really good team. They've got really good players. Um, Trey Money, their ace, has done really well on the bump for them. Their lineup is pretty solid up and down. Uh, Cade Bird, 
uh, is uh, is a talented player, committed to Clemson uh, last night uh, as a preferred walk-on. And um, you know they're going to be uh, they're going to be a tough out for anybody they face. They they haven't lost very many games if, if I can recall. I think they've only lost two games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with COVID, it's so hard to keep track of how many teams have played and who they've played and all this other stuff. Just because the the season's been so whacked uh, in terms of uh, of games this year and and how each is each has done its business in in terms of. Um, you know, they're them playing a basically a three game series every week against the region team. Obviously this week it's been against uh Carolina Forest. But you know, I don't think it's gonna affect them at all having just one region game. Obviously that's tonight with Carolina Forest and then uh you know, they'll conclude the season with some non region games, but you know, they're they're pretty heavy senior laden team and I, I think they're gonna be right there uh, at the end, um, competing for a for a five A championship. I mean they're they're really good. Moving down to four A and, and North Myrtle Beach, uh and the rest of region six, it's really heating up right now. There's a lot you know, there's a lot of good teams in region six, four A. How likely do you think it is that we're potentially gonna see one of the top teams in the state not even make it into the playoffs? Uh, out of Region 6-4A, or do you think the region will work itself out? No, I think somebody's probably going to get left out. Um, you know, unfortunately, due to to the COVID situation and them, you know, scaling back in terms of how many teams out of each region are going to go to the playoffs, uh, it was kind of that way in, in football, too. And, but, it, it, you know, in that sense, it kind of worked itself out. But I, I don't know how it's going to do – uh, this time around in terms of, um, you know, who may get in and who may not, uh, who who may actually get if they do with the at-large, which I'm assuming they're probably going to do. I don't know which region will get that. I haven't heard. Um, but, you know, it, I'm assuming somebody's probably going to get left out, um, you know, because you, you've got Hartsville's in there, North Myrtle Beach is in there, you know, Myrtle Beach is, is battling. Uh, West is a very good team. Um, South is playing really well. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of really good teams in that region. So, you know, again, you come out of that region, you're going to be battle-tested to get yourself prepared for the playoffs like oh, yeah. it is in every sport in that region. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if uh, somebody out of that region goes pretty far in the, in the postseason. Moving over to college ranks, uh, NCAA ending the dead period. Uh, how quickly do you think once that June first date hits? How quickly do you think the the floodgates will open and recruiting will start coming back full force? Right out the gates. Um, I don't think it's going to take much time um, for these for these programs to to get things somewhat back to normal uh, in terms of uh, bringing players on campus, official visits, unofficial visits, things along those lines. I think it's going to open up pretty quick um, because everybody wants to get back to whatever normal is going to be uh, moving forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's pretty much from the get-go that, uh, that everything starts to, to open up pretty quick. And uh, the NCAA also this week approved the one-time free transfer. Uh, what have been the thoughts, uh, if you've had a chance to talk either with Jamie Caldwell over at Coastal uh, as well as the local high school coaches, 
uh, on the new recruiting landscape and how it's going to impact things both on the college level and on the high school level? Well, I know that um, a lot of these kids that are in this class, um, even though the colleges have moved on, for the most part, maybe fill a, a, a gap here or fill a gap there, um, have moved on to uh, to 2022. But, you know, the kids in this class, a lot of them have really kind of um, gotten looked over just because of the COVID situation and and these and these guys and, and gals in, in college getting that extra year of eligibility because of COVID. Um, this class really got affected because of that. And that's the main thing that I've really kind of heard was um, a lot of colleges weren't recruiting high school kids unless you were the top-tier kids um, in some of these Power 5 programs just because they didn't have spots available because they knew that they were going to have um, players remain around with that extra year of eligibility. And then, of course, the NCAA portal, uh, transfer portal, that, that totally just you know has really um, put high school kids on the back burner uh, in terms of this year's recruiting class. So that's really what I've heard most about um, things. I really haven't heard many coaches talk about the new situations um, just because they're still trying to figure out this year's class, even though that m- most have gotten those filled, there's still some gaps that need to be uh, resolved, and uh, and they're just trying to figure that out right now. It's so That NCAA portal thing has really uh, – caused uh, quite a stir in, in terms of recruiting and, and how it's affected high school kids uh, more so than anything else. Yeah, what what have you been hearing from the uh, some of the high school coaches when it comes to that, uh, that the, the kids getting affected by this and, and what what they think the future will be for, like you mentioned, the, the five-star guys, the four-star guys are going to get their offers, but some guys that have to fight for a division one offer uh what what does their future look like you know i I don't know to be honest with you um a lot of kids are going to fall through the cracks uh in terms of in terms of that uh maybe not so much in the next two years but i know um or let me take that back i think some are going to fall through the cracks maybe in the in the next year or two uh, and then I think it may start working itself out, but just because of where we are uh, in terms of trying to figure out who still has eligibility left, are these players going to stick around? Are they going to leave and go to the portal? Um, you know, how that's going to affect the high school level. So, I mean, there's a lot more questions that I think there are answers uh, in terms of some of these kids in the high school ranks, uh, especially around here. So a lot of high school coaches uh, in our area – are just trying to figure it out as much so as the college coaches are um, just because it, it really has put, you know, a real strain on how things are going in terms of some local kids that, uh, that like you said, that aren't the three and four uh, five-star kids. Um, some of the kids that are have the ability to go and play at a power five school but are being left out due to what the situation is has presented itself in terms of all these other options that college coaches have uh, and, the, and the high school kids seem to kind of be the ones that are being pushed aside just because these other players that are in college now that may want to transfer are getting those looks that high school kids would have gotten in previous years. 
Do you think the fact that coaches kind of had to do that already this year because of COVID and the uncertainty of whether or not players were going to come back, do you think that ha- do you think that's going to help the transition process at all? You talking about from the college kids? Well, for for both the college kids and just for the coaches in general, because they've had to deal with that already this year. Yeah, I I think that you know they understand how it is now, um, so it may be a little bit easier moving forward. But as I mentioned, there's still going to be some kids that are going to be left out that probably could play um, at a power five or a mid-major. Um, so don't be surprised to see more kids going JUCO maybe in the next year or two to get their foot in the door to try to maybe get that opportunity a year or two from now to maybe jump up into a Power 5 program or a mid-major program um, just because maybe they just didn't get seen or they didn't get their stuff out uh, out there uh, in time or, you know, whatever it may be. Um you know, I, I know there's a lot of kids right now that are still looking for opportunities to go play someplace. I see it on Twitter all the time. And these, mm-hmm. it's not like these kids can't play. It's just yeah. that there's just no place for them to go at the current time just because there's no there's not that many openings. So, um, you know, don't be surprised if some of these JUCO or even maybe some of these prep schools um, yeah. get more kids um, than they previously would because of the situation. Yeah, I was going to mention the, the post-grad uh, programs that have been up now that could be another route. Do you think there are any unintended consequences for high high school athletics that may come out of this? Um, I don't know. I, I You know, I think that's, it's too early to tell on how that's going to play itself out. Um, we'll just have to see how that, that's going to do. Uh, and then – one final question before I let you go. Uh, Rodney Mooney was uh, hired as the new Wilson head coach. How do you expect him to do coming into this program, and where do you see uh, Wilson going this season? You know, honestly, don't know much uh, about Coach Mooney. Um, I, I just saw that a couple hours ago, honestly. And uh, it was pretty funny in the article that I read where, where I saw that he was hired was that um, Wilson denied – that he was yeah. even hired, even though the school board uh, approved the hiring last night. So I, I find that somewhat interesting, uh, how that kind of played itself out. So I'll be curious to know um, why that was, was said, even though the board had approved the hiring. So, um, you know, he's stepping into a good situation. Derek Howard left that program in really good shape. Um, Wilson's got all kinds of talent. They always have. They just needed somebody to come in and, and kind of corral uh, the kids a little bit and, and get some discipline over there. And Derek definitely did that over the four years he was there. So he, he left a really good foundation for Rodney to step into. Plus, Wilson's getting that brand-new stadium they're building right now, a uh, brand-new field house. Uh, the whole nine yards going to be a really, really nice facility they've got uh, going over there. So, um, you know, I'll be curious to, to, to meet him and, and kind of see what his philosophy is, but uh, knowing where Wilson is right now in terms of what they've been able to establish over the last couple of years, I'm assuming that uh, that he'll do well there. So we, we shall see, though. 
Yes, we shall see indeed. And uh, some some matchups coming out this week. A big matchup for Ray with North Myrtle Beach and Conway uh, facing off for that week. Uh, always fun talking to you, Brandon. Uh, where are you going to be tonight? Um, you know, I'm still teetering a little bit on uh, on where I'm going tonight. Um, it'll be somewhere for baseball, um, so I, I just don't know yet. Because um, Coastal's at home against Georgia Southern, uh, that's a big, big region uh, or a big conference uh, uh, games for them. So I'm not quite sure, but uh, wherever I'll be, we'll have some good highlights for you coming up tonight at 11. Yes, you, yes, you will. Be, look forward to seeing them tonight. Always fun talking to you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, my man. Thank you. See you later, buddy. Yep. See it. All right. Bye-bye. Once, yep. Once again, Brandon Dunn from WPDE. Always fun talking to him. And, you know, man, it, that is the thing about this new transfer portal. We we mentioned it before when, when we talked to Lou earlier. It There are a lot of unknowns. There are a lot of unknowns at this point of, okay, where, you know, where do things go from here? Uh, what, what happens uh, in terms of, you know, uh, how teams are going to handle things? And, and are there going to be any unintended consequences for not not just on a microcosm level for you know uh, college pro progr- individual college programs, but on a macro level uh, when it comes to high school athletics and college athletics, and I could see. Like I mentioned, um, and there was always kind of a hierarchy anyway, but especially if the NFL were to ever, and I I don't think they will, but if the NFL were ever to go the NBA route and build their own, essentially, G-League, um, if the if the NFL were ever to create their own version of the G League, and if uh, and with these new transfer rules and all of that, there's definitely going to be a pyramid that's going to start to build. Of you know, you're going to have the the G League or whatever it's called up top, then Division One, FBS, Power Five. Then the group of five, then FCS, then you know, then who knows what happens from there? You go, you know, you don't get Division One school. Do you go JUCO? Do you go to one of these prep, uh, prep programs that are popping up everywhere now? Or you know, do you go D two or D three? You know, I think D3 will probably be at the bottom. Uh, but then from there, I'm not sure. It's, you know, traditionally, JUCO has always been the route to go. You go JUCO for two years to raise your stock even more, and then you find your spot in a Division One program. 
And that's always been the traditional route. But now, now I don't know. Because, you know, and and it's a lot more uncertain, too. Because, you know, you, you could go to the best prep program or the best JUCO in the country and be dominant. There are more top high school recruits and more transfers than there are positions in Division One. Then you're going to be stuck. So there's a lot of moving pieces in this whole game. You know, this the the best comparison I can make to it is. This has gone from this has gone from recruits in colleges playing 2D chess to now them playing 3D chess. And it just makes it all the more difficult for for recruits to have a good understanding of where their place is and also for schools to be able to find you know because think of how many you know diamonds in the rough teams have found that now will be left out in the cold without anyone ever finding them and that's going to be the big problem that the college programs and the high school programs are going to to work on. And that's why especially in today's landscape more and more high schools are going to need to get better and better. High schools and and the players themselves are going to need to get much better. You know, uh people talk about you know marketing themselves and all that as in terms of in terms of for when you're in college and and the NIL stuff and and all of that. But now just purely to get on a college team, you have to be able to market yourself. You need to be able to promote yourself and build build your brand, essentially. And show the and show colleges that you're worth the spot they're get, that they're going to put that they could theoretically leave open for for a transfer, and that's going to be the big that's going to be the big question is can not the big question but that's going to be the big test is will this have an impact on not just players who may or may not necessarily promote themselves as well as they should, but also schools as well, programs as well. You know, there's a big disparity between the schools that promote themselves heavily and and show what they have online constantly and those that don't. You can tell the difference. 
And so as more and more, you know, I was thinking that maybe it would diminish the the popularity and the exposure of high school sports. But if you really think about it, now it necessitates that you have to expand in order to keep up. And that's going to be the big, big test is can high schools keep and hey, who knows? Maybe it does force band and start treating themselves like colleges on when it comes to athletics. Building a sports information department. Building a marketing department. Doing things like that that, you know, just a few years ago would have been considered unheard of. But we live in a new world now. And you either adapt or you fall behind. It's as simple as that. So I will take a quick break. And then we will come right back. And got a few NFL notes and a few uh, a few NFL notes and a few notes uh, to wrap up the show. And as always, if you want to call in, if you want to get your thoughts on anything sports-related for the final half hour, be sure to call on in and talk to me about it. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back with more Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Center.
welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobay, and with a half hour left, I want to focus on you, the listeners. Be sure to call on 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. Be sure to call on in. Give me your thoughts on the new transfer rule uh, or anything else that you guys want to talk about. But in the meantime, I'll move over to some NFL news. Jadavian Clowney has signed with the Browns. And once again, we go through the Cleveland Brown drama. Because this has been happening for, I would say, the past three or four years. But for at least the last three or four years, Browns fans have said, "Oh, we're gonna win. We're gonna make it to the playoffs. We're gonna win. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get better. We're gonna start winning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." And this has been going on since I would say, you know, 2018. Obviously, 2017. They had their, you know, 0-16 debacle the year before that, 1-15. But then they signed some players. And a lot of Browns fans thought, oh, we're we're going to get better. We're going to become a legitimate team. And, you know, they did okay 2018. They went 7-8, and eight, but they were still third in the AFC North. 2019, 6-10. Still third in the AFC North. Last year, they went 11 and 5, which, you know, is a very good. It is a very good record, but they were still third in, in the North. They went to the playoffs for the first time since 2002, so I'll give them that. But. They're still not quite. I mean, they beat the Steelers. That's that's good. And the Steelers are gonna kind of, you know, who knows where the Steelers are gonna be? Ben's, you know, Big Ben's, nearing the end of his career. See how much he has left in the tank. They don't have that dynamic offense that they used to, but they still do have a good defense. So. Yes, the Jadavian Clowney helps. You know, any and no one can dispute that, and they're go and he's going to help this Browns team be better than than they were. You know, obviously, a few, better than they were a few years ago, obviously, but especially in a very strong AFC, and even in the AFC North, I just don't think they're quite there yet. Baker Mayfield has taken some steps. He's he's taken some steps and, and has gotten better. That is for sure. No one can dispute that. But I just don't see... Even with 
you know, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Jadavian Clowney. Uh, you know, they have a few other big pieces around, you know, around them on both sides of the ball. I just don't see them having enough to be able to even potentially win the AFC North. I still think the Ravens are probably the odds-on favorite in that division with uh, Lamar Jackson and everything. Yes, he had a bit of a dip last year. Uh you know, yes, teams are starting to, uh, yes, teams are starting to figure out ways of beating, being Jackson, but I just, I don't, I, I just, I think this year the Ravens are going to, Jackson will take the next step in his maturity and, and the, the Ravens will, will win that division. You know, because here's the other thing too, that you have to take into consideration. And, and I've said this for years and yes, they're getting better. I will admit that. I will acknowledge the fact that the Browns are getting better. But as the old saying goes, Browns are going to Browns. They're going to figure out a way to screw it up. I'm just calling it right now. They will figure out some way that they will screw it up. I don't know how yet. I I don't know what 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 the what the flop will be or or what what will cause it to happen. But I already see something happening that causes them to, you know, have some issues. Because here's the other thing, too. Just maybe a week ago or so, I saw reports that the Browns were considering trading or Odell Beckham Jr. wanted to trade it. Now, does this clowny move impact that at all? Maybe. OBJ? That that hurts them a lot. That that just that will hurt them a lot. Uh if they if they do if they do move uh if if they do move OBJ that that would hurt them a lot um now do i think it do i think it happens probably not at this point here's the other thing too that you have to take into consideration browns they still need a few pieces they still need a few pieces but much of a pick this season, they they don't really have much of a uh, much draft stock. Twenty sixth overall pick in the first round. That doesn't exactly help you when you're trying to you know build. And that's the problem with a team like Cleveland when you're trying to build a franchise in the way that they are. You need 
you you can't be stuck in limbo. There are a lot of teams that and, and the the prime example I'll use is the San Diego Chargers throughout Philip Rivers' entire career there. They were a great regular season team. They would always be near the top of the West, and they'd make the playoffs. But then they'd get beaten by better teams in the playoffs. And the reason why they never advanced any further than that is because they wouldn't have the opportunity to get the pieces that they needed because they'd still, because they had a great regular season record and they made the playoffs, still be mid to low first round picks. So unless they made a trade, they wouldn't be able to get the top prospects. And that hurt them a lot. Uh, you know, moving moving forward. And that, I feel like where the Browns are right now. Uh, you know, the Browns are in a very similar situation where they they need a few more pieces in order to really make the next step, I feel. But they're not able to get those pieces because they're still good enough to potentially make it to the playoffs. Do I think they make it to the playoffs this year? Maybe, but I'm saying no. I'm saying no at this point. The other NFL news uh, that came out today, or uh, a couple of days ago, is that James Conner has signed with the Cardinals. And now the Cardinals... Cardinals are in a similar boat to the Browns but in a different boat at the same time. Because I do think, especially after the Cardinals started the season last year, that they have the chance, they have the pieces in order to become a legitimate contender. And Kyler Murray, I was very bearish on him at the beginning of last year. I did not think he was going to make a huge step forward. But he proved me wrong. And I'll admit, he proved me wrong last year. And now I think he is poised to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he just needs a few pieces around him. He got one in James Conner. Is it enough, though? If they were in another division... Like, if if they were in the dumpster fire that is the NFC East, and I'm saying this as a Giants fan, if they were in the dumpster fire that is the NFC East, who we'll talk about an NFC East team and another NFC East team in just a little bit, but if they were in the dumpster fire that is the NFC East, then yeah, I would say they have a chance of making it into the playoffs and potentially making a run. But this is the NFC West we're talking about. Now, things are changing in the West. Seattle's still Seattle. Seattle's still a, probably the top team in the in the division, I would say, at this point. But the Rams now have a new quarterback in Matt Stafford. Is he better than Jared Goff or worse or what? 
Who knows? The the one the the one thing about Stafford that has always been talked about is how oh he's a great quarterback but he's never made a run in the playoffs because of the team that he was on, and now he will have a chance to prove it because I think the Rams if if Stafford can play well and he can show what he's made of in L.A. They could potentially make a run. But Goff was able to make a run with them just a few years ago. So I don't – that's the thing about it, that I'm not sure how exactly that's going to work out. Uh, San Francisco is is way up in the air because, you know, the – Personally, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good enough quarterback to be their starter, and I don't see why they're looking for a new quarterback. But apparently, they are. That's the reports that are they. That's what everyone's saying as to why they traded up. And we'll and I'll I'll talk more about the draft. I'll have my full draft preview next week. Because the draft is in a couple of weeks, and it's on Thursday. So, draft preview this coming week. And then I'll have a first-round review and, you know, a remainder of the draft preview the week after next. But when it comes to the 49ers... Is a, is a quarterback really all they need? Now, last year they were injured. They had a lot of injury problems. So I don't know if you can really take stock from last season. And the season before that, they made it to the Super Bowl. So I don't fully get why they're so focused on replacing Garoppolo. I think the 49ers, as long as they can stay healthy... They could potentially make a run. The Rams. Here, here's the thing. Team in the NFC West, except for the Seahawks, have one question mark that, if answered correctly, could send them to the playoffs and could send them to the Super Bowl. The Seahawks, I think they're the odds-on favorite. The Rams, the question is, is Matt Stafford as good as Jared Goff, and can he lead this team? For the 49ers, it's who's our quarterback and how good does that quarterback do? And then for every every team's question is based around a quarterback. For the Cardinals, it's can Kyler Murray take the the next step and the James Connor and gets a running game behind him, I think will help him. I think that will definitely help him grow as a quarterback. And, you know, the Cardinals could be a legitimate threat. Whether or not they are is, is the, is the million dollar question, of course, but getting James Connor who, you know, Albeit he struggled a little bit in Pittsburgh last year. 
didn't have as good of a season as many people would have thought or hoped. But he's still he's still at least a serviceable running back. And with a few other pieces, uh now obvi- now the big question is going to be now for uh Arizona, they they're gonna be without their long, long time uh wide receiver in Larry Fitzgerald. So where you know where do you go from here with that? Uh, you know, do you know this? This is going to be the first year since 2004 that Larry Fitzgerald has not been the the focal point of that Arizona receiving core. So where do you go from here with that? And they they have some receivers. They have some receivers around him. So he should be okay, but that's going to be the big question in Arizona, as well as the the question about Murray's development. I think the West is probably one of the most interesting divisions to keep an eye out for uh, in the NFL this upcoming season. And like I mentioned, we'll have the drafts. Uh, we'll have a full draft preview next week. We'll talk about the draft, talk about uh, what to expect from each team and, and all of that good stuff next week. Um, so we'll give you, we'll keep you covered on all of that. Uh, got a little over 10 minutes left to go in the show. Uh, and then one other news, the one other news piece that I have for the, uh, the one other news piece that I have for the NFL is that the Washington football team which I've always I've always hated that they had to call themselves that last year. They have emailed season ticket holders for input on the team's new permanent name, which I'm glad I saw rumors a, a while back that were saying, oh, will Washington keep Washington football team as their permanent name? And I was like, oh, my God, please, no. And fortunately, they are not doing I would say Red Tails or Warriors. Red Tails, you'd be able to keep you'd be able to keep the color scheme while at the same time honoring the the Tuskegee Airmen which you know, they were an all black uh Air Corps group. It would, you know, honoring the Tuskegee Airmen, which, you know, the whole reason why the name had to be changing in the first place was because of racial issues. Doing that as a way to honor them, and you're still able to keep the color scheme and all of that, 
I feel like it would be a great move by Washington. Now, if they wanted to go with Warriors and keep the Native American concept, you could do that as well. Um, But that may be a little bit more troublesome. Because even schools that are named Warriors, if they have Native iconography, it gets, you know, people don't like it. So I think the best way to win this would be to name themselves the Red Tails and focus on that and build a new legacy under that under that name. That that's my thought. That that's my thought on uh on what what I think they should pick. And I'm glad that that name was on there. And I hope the season ticket holders uh realize the significance of that name and vote over- overwhelmingly for that. That'll just about wrap it up for me this morning. Uh hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh I will be back next week with uh with draft preview and more coverage of high school baseball, more high school football stuff, uh you know, just everything going on in the world of sports. Lots of things to cover. Baseball in full swing now. This is starting to become more of the the dead period in a way of uh, the sports calendar year. You know, the NCAA tournament over. You still have NBA, you still have NHL, you still have MLB, you still have spring football, but not quite as much to talk about right now as there is in the in the fall and and winter. But like I mentioned, that'll just about wrap it up for me this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I will be back next week uh to give you know to give you guys all the draft preview that you could want. Uh more guests, more fun, more more fun, more sports uh talk for you guys next week. Uh and if you guys like high school baseball, I've got some high school baseball for you tonight when the North Myrtle Beach Chiefs take on the Wilson Tigers. They'll be sure to do that game this evening. I'll just I'll wrap it up for me this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and I will talk to you guys next week. So long, everyone.